one word closes the gate to the others. We need to put one feet here, one feet there, and try to not shut the door. That's the way, I guess, somewhere in the middle. In this episode of the Unstoppable Business Podcast, we're talking to the CEO of Skycrops. Now, Skycrops is disrupting the farming industry with AI-based robots that inspect and spray orchards. Visionary CEO Chris Barjasus sits down to discuss how he used great design to open doors, how to improve upon your product with a customer-first approach, and the power of giving in order to receive. So Chris, I'd first like to talk about the story behind your startup. You know, like what was happening when the idea first came up? Yeah, so as people in Y Combinator are saying, let's start with a problem. So the main problem we are observing is there is a lot of people in Europe that used to be farmers. The biggest problem they have right now is the generation gap. So the fathers are seeing their sons not wanting to take over the entire farm. They can have decent work in many places. And this work is also very hard. So typically they do work 10, 12, 14 hours a day, including weekends often. It's even harder now to even find employees to join you on the farm. And you do have that in California as well, especially like with people migrating to farms and now it's even more difficult. And there's also other components. So you do have much more regulation on how much chemistry you can put to keep the fruit healthy. And uh, we're thinking if there is a solution that at least can ease the pain here, it will probably not solve or try to solve or try to tackle it. And uh, the answer is robots, but not one robot, more like a family of robots that are with you on the farm and you kind of treat them as your employees so all the mundane work all the stuff that you kind of takes a lot of time and low mundane work you can actually delegate to the robots and also what we do observe is that for every time you build a new type of robot you actually can take a lot of ingredients from the previous one you do not need to build every time a robot from scratch which is why we say we are more like a family of robots that is the work in farms and, and how to keep them healthy and to keep scale because what will happen if these father they would not be able to put this work to their sons. They would probably merge. So it's even more difficult now because now you have a small problem and now you have bigger because you have big farm that merge from, from the others. So that's the landscape. And one very local theme is that here in Poland, Poland is the third largest manufacturer of apples globally after United States and China. People are pretty open for any new improvements because they have been in the last 30 years to supply a huge amount of fruits. And that was because of Russia buying a lot of apples from us. So we are feeding not just ourselves, but also Russia. Russia because they didn't have technology. So that's the background. Is it very difficult for you to explain to, let's say, like farmers what mm-hmm. you guys do? Yeah. So specifically talking to farmers, we noticed that they didn't kind of get how software looked like. So then we are trying to show them like mobile apps, web apps that they didn't get at as well. What they do get is something physical they can touch, they can show to neighbors, they can play with. So we just presented them a box and the box with a logo and with a set of features that this box can do for them. And that was okay. They feel more familiar with that they understand and they get more to the very concrete questions. They do get maybe not lifetime, but a long-term free improvement because we started with early prototype and they have been early adopters and they are super happy to give feedback. This product is more like developed by them in terms of ideas and features and we are just make the dream possible. So we're just telling them what is the landscape of possibilities right now in the modern technology and then just tell us the directions. Wow. So you literally just created something where they shaped it themselves and they told you exactly what they wanted and you 
you built that for them. And there are two groups of that. So first group is that they are really farmers, so they do have the pain themselves and they really want the hardware for themselves. And the second group is distributors. So they do tell us what the other geographies might need at which price points, et cetera, et cetera. So the questions are, can you guys build a hardware that does A, B, and C in price level Z? And typically the answer is yes, because we do have a very strong background in engineering field and hardware field. So for us, the costs are like, we, we often make it possible and slightly above the competitor's price points. That's the also advantage that we do have in here. And how do you guys differentiate yourself from your competitors? Yeah, one thing that we noticed is that surprisingly, people do care about the design. So they do care how the equipment looks like. And if it looks professionally, they do often think it's high value just because how the design is done. So we really do take care of that piece. And here our competitors, they typically look very raw, I would say. Uh So we try to look less raw, more professional. So that's one advantage that we learn over time. And second thing is that typically the other manufacturers, they are different countries. They do not focus that much on the feedback. So the fact that we do really listen, these guys, feedback they tried many other tools in past and they giving us feedback what they like what they didn't like what they would add to that as well but it wasn't possible with the competitors products so the fact that we really really care about they're telling us they do also see that this emerged to reality so it's not just discussions it's not just drawings it's really like three months sometimes three weeks later we come back and say hey here it is a new version they like it like whoa that's (laughs) awesome guys you're working super fast and here, what is also important is that it all started with the academic circle of electronic engineering students. I would say the scale of this association was between 50 to 100 students. And they do often look for interesting projects for the master, bachelor, thesis, etc. So we do have access to very, very talented people that typically cannot find such interesting projects. And they do join us with a lot of fresh ideas of the newest technologies, new opportunities. I wanted to go back to what you said about design because I generally don't hear that people generally you know thought they they like to build something ugly and then uh, yeah. you know, minimum viable how much has that sort of been important like what percentage would you say is of importance even including this entire COVID situation where you cannot be as often as you would like with the customers, the fact that you are sending them PDF documents and some 3D, 2D dimensional models where they actually can see the, the design of it and they can give feedback and they can feel it. That was really something unique that didn't happen that much with any of our competition previously. And for us, it just was the way to improve the communication because it's super hard to show the product without actually being there and showing a physical thing so it was quicker and like allowed us to iterate more often and see we also noticed that if we do take this extra care of shapes make it slightly more rounded slightly like larger logo and higher contrast and maybe more dark colors they really like it or they like the palette the look and feel of it because what they typically see with other products is they fail very often or they get the battery got discharged very often or they just don't work so the fact that there is support but there's also a nice design the fact that we do support it very often right now is something they love basically yeah uh, that's really great. And uh, sounds like the response has been really good. What has mm-hmm. the experience been like dealing with investors and, and VCs? Mm-hmm. Here, what is also very special and 
nice about running this in Europe with some eye on North American market is that there is access, especially in cutting edge technology, when you do have R&D components, you have wide access to European grants, especially for agriculture, because they do also see everybody needs to eat and no one wants to work in this industry. So there, there need to be heavy subsidization happening from the union. So we see this advantage and the leverage of having that access, plus, of course, having access to growing community of early stage angel investors. And what is interesting, when you have the first three or five angel investors, they do often start to help you with sales and distribution, but they also helping you to close the round because once they are in, they also want to help you. So private capital plus access to public money, which is the leverage, that's something very, I wouldn't say unique, but powerful here in Europe. So we are super thankful we are here. Chris, could you share with us an embarrassing failure that you faced? I don't know which one to start with, but to touch just what I said before is if you have easy access to public money, the challenge with that is sometimes the rules of getting raising public money is so much different than a normal capitalistic way. Just because we do need to cover the public with private money, we started also to spend some time on the fundraising. And it took us one year to discover a very simple theme that you can find local distributors and share a margin with them. We do share like 50-50 margin split. And before doing that, we had like zero sales and zero access to any market and zero customers in pipeline. It was really difficult for us to survive, to think of like how we're going to kick off from there. But after we connected to say 15 to 20 local distributors and offer them a business model that also works for them, not just asking them for help. That was a very important moment for us. And from that point, everything looks very promising. So the lesson that we learned is we shouldn't be afraid to give people first in order to then get something back. We started asking for help without thinking how we can give something in return we've lost like a year of action <laughs> because of the old thinking wow well great lesson to learn so chris what is like the number one pressing challenge that you guys are facing right now yeah so limited access to very good case studies and best practices from practitioners that's something that say in california or new york you feel surrounded with and, and sometimes you even feel you, you do have that too much but we do <laughs> And especially COVID time when you cannot travel and inspired by Anglo-Saxon culture. Also escaping your, getting out of your comfort zone. Because if you are an engineer, you love to build product. You tend to forget about the customers and the entire sales process. Try to escape your comfort zone as soon as possible. If you are a good salesperson, learn how to code. If you are an engineering person, learn how to talk to customers. Because you can't do business with just one skill. You need to develop both. I see. So just sort of like understanding the other side of the coin. It's like different worlds almost. Yeah. They're both tempting and one word closes the gate to the others. We need to put one feet here, one feet there and try to not shut the door. That's the way, I guess. Somewhere in the middle. <laughs> what are you doing currently to try to mm -hmm. keep both doors open because you come from an engineer background? Yeah, so I mean, raising around is a very good lesson for that because the questions are, if I give you, say, million euro or million dollars, how quickly you give me three back? <laughs> 
That's a very straightforward question, very smart question, but the answer is, is difficult. So learning all the numbers and all the potential life scenarios, really defending the numbers, not trying to put any BS in there, but really, really work hard to prove that we are right, the numbers are right. Fundraising is healthy, I would say, and keeping your cap table healthy, that's also a good habit to develop because it's not this round, but it's also the next round that you're thinking within the next 12 to 18, maybe 24 months. So you need to think strategically because now you have angel investors with you in the batch, but what will happen in the next two years is also important, especially in hardware startups. They consume a lot of cash because you're spending money on stuff that you just throw away. It's not like with software that you just took cold, but you really buy stuff and trash it and try again and again. So that's expensive and a lot of stressful else. And supply chains that with, again, software, you do not have this problem because you just download a new library from internet and it's instantly boom on your computer. However, with hardware, waiting for this tiny, tiny one component that's going throughout the entire world and there are delays, sometimes six weeks and sometimes even longer. And then you need to have plan B and plan C, plan D, what to do if the supply chain just takes too long. Even if the person on the phone is telling you that actually, yeah, it's in stock and it will be with you within this week, but then it's not the case. <laughs> so learning that, that that's not how software works, hardware is different, is a good lesson to go through. Gotcha. Chris, so I see you, you know, the listeners can't really see you right now, but you seem pretty yep. relaxed. Uh, yeah. You have like a nice view behind you. Walk us through kind of like a day in the life of Chris. What does it look mm-hmm. like when you wake up in the morning and when you go to bed? Yeah, so what I'm trying to build as a habit is to keep a maximum of productive hours. So every time I feel that I'm tired and whatever I'm working on is no longer productive, I just try to go to sleep and wake up in the morning and then that's something really powerful because you simply get more done during the day if you keep that as your focus. I feel my day is at least 30% is talking to the team and working with the team members, trying to grow the, the group that we do have here. The other 60-70% is a deep work. So I do have some KPIs for given day in front of me as a goal and just try to jump to the deep work mode <laughs> and just deliver the KPIs that I just uh, set as a goal for given day. So being focused on what I want to get out of the day before the day is going to end is important. So you do define your goal before, not after. That keeps your focus high as well. Awesome. Chris, what is your vision for the next five to 10 years? I feel the last two decades, if not more, has been a massive, massive adoption of both software and hardware at scale. And I do feel this allows us as humans to get access to more and more data between other people and from just the world and and multiple sensors so which created a space for a new generation of technology which is machine learning and artificial intelligence but i do see what is really growing these days is life sciences and biology especially multidiscipline between biology and data science because you can think of cells and organism as sources of data that generate a lot of data on an hourly basis and the question is what they mean to us how do we interpret biology if we do learn this skill as humanity probably there is a huge chance that we're gonna extend the lifespan if not we're gonna live potentially forever next five years will be a marriage of biology and artificial intelligence that's what i see as a growing future yeah i mean it's very controversial sort of thing as well you know like some people are against it and i'm sure there will be a (laughs) lot of policies to deal with but it's definitely a very very interesting route so i guess for a closing thought what is your philosophy for life and for success 
there is this debate about working hard and working smart, which is like the other way. So I feel it's not a question versus, it's like both are very important. So working hard and smart is the answer and challenge yourself, but surrounded by people that do inspire you a lot. That's really important because that gives you a lot of energy and positive thinking. So if you surround yourself by positive thinking people with positive attitude, they do put challenges in front of them. You're probably going to do the same. If you do the opposite, probably the opposite will happen. So it's really important who is around you and how do you deal with that? Mm, Yeah, that's great advice. So Chris, how can listeners connect with you? The best way is LinkedIn. And I do accept people that have some non-generic invitation for me. So trying to be very copy-paste invitations, but really something that is from their heart. And that's easy to detect, easy to feel. So just be honest and that's good.